Chapter 24 of The Italian. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Marty Chris. The Italian by Anne Radcliffe. Chapter 24 Beneath the silent gloom of solitude, though peace can sit and smile, though meek content can keep the cheerful tenor of her soul, even in the loneliest shades, yet let not wrath approach, let black revenge keep far aloof, or soon they flame to madness. Elfrida Schedoni, on his way to the Vivaldi Palace, again reviewed and arranged every argument, or rather specious circumstances, which might induce the Marchesa's consent to the nuptials he so much desired. His family was noble, though no longer wealthy, and he believed that as the seeming want of descent had hitherto been the chief objection of Elena, the Marchesa might be prevailed to overlook the wreck of his fortune. At the palace he was told that the Marchesa was at one of her villas on the bay, and he was too anxious not to follow her thither immediately. This delightful residence was situated on an airy promontory that overhung the water and was nearly embosomed among the woods that spread far along the heights and descended with great pomp of foliage and colouring to the very margin of the waves. It seemed scarcely possible that misery could inhabit so enchanting an abode. Yet the Marchesa was wretched amidst all these luxuries of nature and art, which would have perfected the happiness of an innocent mind. Her heart was possessed by evil passions, and all her perceptions were distorted and discoloured by them, which, like a dark magician, had power to change the fairest scenes into those of gloom and desolation. The servants had orders to admit Father Schedoni at all times, and he was shewn into a saloon in which the Marchesa was alone. Every object in this apartment announced taste and even magnificence. The hangings were of purple and gold. The vaulted ceiling was designed by one of the first painters of the Venetian school. The marble statues that adorned the recesses were not less exquisite, and the whole symmetry and architecture, airy yet rich, gay yet chastened, resembled the palace of a fairy, and seemed to possess almost equal fascinations. The lattices were thrown open to admit the prospect as well as the air loaded with fragrance from the orangery that spread before them. Lofty palms and plantains threw their green and refreshing tint over the windows, and on the lawn that sloped to the edge of the precipice, a shadowy perspective beyond which appeared the ample waters of the gulf, where the light fails of Felicus and the spreading canvas of larger vessels glided upon the scene and passed away as in a camera obscura. Vesuvius and the city of Naples were seen on the coast beyond, with many a bay and lofty cape of that long tract of boldly gaily-coloured scenery which extends towards Cape Campanella, crowned by fading ranges of mountains, lighted up with all the magic of Italian sunshine. The Marchesa reclined on a sofa before an open lattice. Her eyes were fixed upon the prospect without, but her attention was wholly occupied by the visions that evil passions painted to her imagination. On her still beautiful features was the languor and discontent and indisposition, and though her manners, like her dress, displayed the elegant negligence of the graces, 
they concealed the movements of a careful and even a tortured heart. On perceiving Skedoni, a faint smile lightened upon her countenance, and she held forth her hand to him, at the touch of which he shuddered. "'My good father, I rejoice to see you,' said the Marchesa. "'I have felt the want of your conversation much, and at this moment of indisposition especially.' She waved the attendant to withdraw, while Skidoni, stalking to a window, could with difficulty conceal the perturbation with which he now, for the first time, consciously beheld the willing destroyer of his child. Some farther compliment from the Marchesa recalled him. He soon recovered all his address, and approaching her, said, "'Daughter, you always send me away a worse Dominican than I come. I approach you with humility.' but depart elated with pride, and am obliged to suffer much from self-infliction before I can descend to my proper level. After some other flatteries had been exchanged, a silence of several moments followed, during which neither of the parties seemed to have sufficient courage to introduce the subjects that engaged their thoughts, subjects upon which their interests were now so directly and unexpectedly opposite. Had Skidoni been less occupied by his own feelings, he might have perceived the extreme agitation of the Marchesa, the tremor of her nerves, the faint flush that crossed her cheek, the wanness that succeeded, the languid movement of her eyes, and the laborious sighs that interrupted her breathing, while she wished, yet dared not ask, whether Elena was no more, and averted her regards from him, whom she almost believed to be a murderer. Scadoni, not less affected, though apparently tranquil, as sedulously avoided the face of the Marchesa, whom he considered with a degree of contempt almost equal to his indignation. His feelings had reversed, for the present, all high opinions on the subject of their former arguments, and had taught him, for once, to think justly. Every moment of silence now increased his embarrassment, and his reluctance even to name Elena. He feared to tell that she lived, yet despised himself for suffering such fear, and shuddered at a recollection of the conduct which had made any assurance concerning her life necessary. The insinuations that he had discovered her family to be such as would not degrade that of the Marchesa, he knew not how to introduce with such delicacy of gradation as might win upon the jealousy of her pride, and soothe her disappointment and he was still meditating how he might lead to this subject, when the Marchesa herself broke the silence. "'Father,' she said with a sigh, "'I always look to you for consolation, and am seldom disappointed. You are too well acquainted with the anxiety which has long oppressed me. May I understand that the cause of it is removed?' She paused, and then added, May I hope that my son will no longer be led from the observance of his duty? Scadoni, with his eyes fixed on the ground, remained silent, but at length said, The chief occasion of your anxiety is certainly removed, and he was again silent. How! exclaimed the Marchesa, with a quick-sightedness of suspicion, while all her dissimulation yielded to the urgency of her fear. Have you failed? Is she not dead? In the earnestness of the question she fixed her eyes on Scadoni's face, 
and perceiving their symptoms of extraordinary emotion, added, Relieve me from my apprehensions, good father. I entreat. Tell me that you have succeeded, and that she has paid the debt of justice. Scadoni raised his eyes to the Marchesa, but instantly averted them. Indignation had lifted them, and disgust and stifled horror turned them away. Though very little of these feelings appeared, the Marchesa perceived such expression as she had never been accustomed to observe in his countenance, and her surprise and impatience increasing, she once more repeated the question, and with a yet more decisive air than before. "'I have not failed in the grand object,' replied Scadoni. "'Your son is no longer in danger of forming a disgraceful alliance.' "'In what, then, have you failed?' asked the Marchesa. "'For I perceive that you have not been completely successful.' "'I ought not to say that I have failed in any respect,' replied Scadoni, with emotion. "'Since the honour of your house is preserved, and a life is spared.' His voice faltered as he pronounced the last words, and he seemed to experience again the horror of that moment, when, with an uplifted poniard in his grasp, he had discovered Elena for his daughter. "'Spared!' repeated the Marchesa doubtingly. "'Explain yourself, good father!' "'She lives,' replied Scadoni. "'But you have nothing, therefore, to apprehend.' The Marchesa, surprised no less by the tone in which he spoke, than shocked at the purport of his words, change countenance while she said impatiently you speak in enigmas father lady i speak plain truth she lives i understand that sufficiently said the marchesa but when you tell me i have nothing to apprehend i tell you truth also rejoined the confessor and the benevolence of your nature may be permitted to rejoice, for justice no longer has forbade the exercise of mercy. "'This is all very well in its place,' said the Marchesa, betrayed by the vexation she suffered. "'Such sentiments and such compliments are like gala suits, to be put on in fine weather. My day is cloudy. Let me have a little plain strong sense.' Inform me of the circumstances which have occasioned this change in the course of your observations, and, good father, be brief. Scadoni then unfolded, with unusual art, such circumstances relative to the family of Elena as he hoped would soften the aversion of the Marchesa to the connection, and incline her, in consideration of her son's happiness, finally to approve it, with which disclosure he mingled a plausible relation of the way, in which the discovery had been made. The Marchesa's patience would scarcely await the conclusion of his narrative, or her disappointment submit to the curb of discretion. When at length he had finished his history, "'It is possible,' said she, with fretful displeasure, "'that you have suffered yourself to be deceived by the plausibility of a girl who might have been expected to utter any falsehood which should appear likely to protect her.' Has a man of your discernment given faith to the idle and improbable tale? Say rather, father, 
that your resolution failed to the critical moment and that you are now anxious to form excuses to yourself for a conduct so pusillanimous i am not apt to give an easy faith to appearances replied scadoni gravely and still less to shrink from the performance of any act which i judge to be necessary and just to the last intimation i make no reply it does not become my character to vindicate myself from an implication of falsehood the marchesa perceiving that her passion had betrayed her into imprudence condescended to apologize for that which she termed an effect of her extreme anxiety as to what might follow from an act of such indiscreet indulgence and scadoni as willingly accepted the apology each believing the assistance of the other necessary to success scadoni then informed her that he had better authority for what he had advanced than the assertion of elena and he mentioned some circumstances which proved him to be more anxious for the reputation than for the truth of his word believing that his origin was entirely unknown to the marchesa he ventured to disclose some particulars of elena's family without apprehending that it could lead to a suspicion of his own the marchesa though neither appeased or convinced commanded her feelings so far as to appear tranquil while the confessor represented with the most delicate address the unhappiness of her son and the satisfaction which must finally result to herself from an acquiescence with his choice since the object of it was known to be worthy of his alliance he added that while he had believed the contrary he had proved himself as strenuous to prevent and he was now sincere in approving their marriage and concluded with gently blaming her for suffering prejudice and some remains of resentment to obscure her excellent understanding trusting to the natural clearness of your perceptions he added i doubt not that when you have maturely considered the subject every objection will yield to a consideration of your son's happiness the earnestness with which scadoni pleaded for vivaldi excited some surprise but the marchesa without condescending to reply either to his argument or remonstrance inquired whether elena had a suspicion of the design with which she had been carried into the forests of the garganus or concerning the identity of her persecutor scadoni immediately perceiving to what these questions tended replied with a facility with which he usually accommodated his conscience to his interest that elena was totally ignorant as to who were her immediate persecutors and equally unsuspicious of any other evil having been intended her than that of a temporary confinement the last assertion was admitted by the marchesa to be probable till the boldness of the first made her doubt the truth of each and occasioned her new surprise and conjecture as to the motive which could induce scadoni to venture these untruths she then inquired where elena was now disposed of but he had too much prudence to disclose the place of her retreat however plausible might be the air with which the inquiry was urged and he endeavoured to call off her attention to vivaldi the confessor did not however venture at present to give a hint as to the pretended discovery of his situation in the inquisition but reserved to a more favourable opportunity such mention together with the zealous offer of his services to extricate the prisoner the marchesa believing that her son was still engaged in pursuit of elena made many inquiries concerning him but without expressing any solicitude for his welfare resentment appearing to be the only emotion she retained towards him 
While Scidoni replied with circumspection to her questions, he urged inquiries of his own as to the manner in which the Marchesa endured the long absence of Vivaldi, thus endeavouring to ascertain how far he might hereafter venture to appear in any efforts for liberating him, and how shape his conduct respecting Elena. It seemed that the Marchesa was not indifferent as to her son's absence, and though he had at first believed the search for Elena to have occasioned it, other apprehensions now disturbed him, and taught him the feelings of a father. His numerous avocations and interests, however, seemed to prevent such anxiety from preying upon his mind, and, having dismissed persons in search of Vivaldi, he passed his time in the usual routine of company and the court. Of the actual situation of his son it was evident that neither he nor the Marchesa had the least apprehension, and this was a circumstance which the confessor was very careful to ascertain. Before he took leave, he ventured to renew the mention of Vivaldi's attachment, and gently to plead for him. The Marchesa, however, seemed inattentive to what he represented, till, at length, awakening from her reverie, she said, "'Father, you have judged ill,' and before she concluded the sentence she relapsed again into thoughtful silence. Believing that he anticipated her meaning, Scadoni began to repeat his own justification respecting his conduct towards Elena. "'You have judged erroneously, father,' resumed the Marchesa, with the same considering air. "'In placing the girl in such a situation, my son cannot fail to discover her there.' "'Or wherever she may be,' replied the confessor, believing that he understood the Marchesa's aim. It may not be possible to conceal her long from his search. The neighborhood of Naples ought at least to have been avoided, observed the Marchesa. Scadoni was silent, and she added, So near, also to his own residence. How far is the Santa della Pieta from the Vivaldi Palace? Though Scadoni had thought that the Marchesa, while displaying a pretended knowledge of Elena's retreat, was only endeavoring to obtain a real one, this mention of the place of her actual residence shocked him, but he replied almost immediately, I am ignorant of the distance, for till now I was unacquainted that there is a convent of the name you mention. It appears, however, that this Santa della Pieta is the place of all other which ought to have been avoided. How could you suspect me, lady, of imprudence thus extravagant? While Scadoni spoke, the Marchesa regarded him attentively, and then replied, I may be allowed, good father, to suspect your prudence in this instance, since you have just given me so unequivocal a proof of it in another. She would then have changed the subject, but Scadoni, believing this inclination to be the consequence of her having assured herself that she had actually discovered Elena's asylum, and too reasonably suspecting the dreadful use she designed to make of the discovery, endeavoured to unsettle her opinion, and mislead her as to the place of Elena's abode. He not only contradicted the fact of her present residence at the Santa della Pieta, but without scruple made a positive assertion that she was at a distance from Naples, naming at the same time a fictitious place whose obscurity, he added, would be the best protection from the pursuit of Vivaldi very true father observed the marchesa i believe that my son will not readily discover the girl in the place you have named whether the marchesa believed scadoni's assertion or not 
she expressed no farther curiosity on the subject and appeared considerably more tranquil than before she now chatted with ease on general topics while the confessor dared no more to urge the subject of his secret wishes and having supported for some time a conversation most uncongenial with his temper he took his leave and returned to naples on the way thither he reviewed with exactness the late behaviour of the marchesa and the result of this examination was a resolution never to renew the subject of their conversation but to solemnize without her consent the nuptials of vivaldi and elena the marchesa meanwhile on the departure of scadoni remained in the attitude in which he had left her and absorbed by the interest which his visit excited the sudden change in his conduct no less astonished and perplexed than disappointed her she could not explain it by the supposition of any principle or motive sometimes it occurred to her that vivaldi had bribed him with rich promises to promote the marriage which he contributed to thwart but when she considered the high expectations she had herself encouraged him to cherish the improbability of the conjecture was apparent that scadoni from whatever cause was no longer to be trusted in this business was sufficiently clear but she endeavoured to console herself with a hope that a more confidential person might yet be discovered a part of scadoni's resolution she also adopted which was never again to introduce the subject of their late conversation but while she should silently pursue her own plans she determined to conduct herself towards scadoni in every other respect as usual not suffering him to suspect that she had withdrawn her confidence but inducing him to believe that she had relinquished all farther design against elena End of chapter twenty four reading by marty chris